0: Let's start over. My name is Hilton Price, and I'm an OK Geek. I got the new Super Mario Brothers Wonder this week. It's great. It's really good. It's uh, a mix of elements from 2D Mario games that I've loved as long as I can remember, and interesting new elements and mechanics and surprises that you can tell the team at Nintendo had to be so excited to implement into this new game. The basics... Just like you remember. Run, jump, collect power-ups to increase your abilities to overcome King Bowser and his minions. Save the kingdom. Bring peace to the land. Whatever. No damsel in distress. In fact, the damsel's at your side, kicking ass with you. Not only Peach, but we've got Daisy in this mix as well. And maybe Toadette, too? I, I, I didn't see her, uh, but I think there's some hidden characters that I haven't unlocked yet. Off the top, uh, Mario, Luigi... Peach, Daisy, a couple of different colors of Toads, blue, yellow for sure. Uh, several different colors of Yoshis. Uh, even Nabbit uh, from some of the later games makes an appearance and is playable. And there's more, too. I, I, that's by far, the, far from the full list. It's good. Um, let's talk about the few things that I don't like real quick or that, that aren't super exciting. The music is not extremely memorable. Um, it honestly reminds me a little bit of some of the tunes in um, New Super Mario Brothers from the Wii and DS era that, you know, we're fine, but that's it. They're, they're not the Koji Kondo freaking bops of the original games, of, of Mario 1, of Mario 2, Mario 3, of Mario World. And, and maybe there's more, and, and maybe I don't really know yet because they haven't got under my skin yet. So uh, permission to revisit that. But that part has left me a little underwhelmed. There are elements about the game that don't seem that unique, that inventive. And it l- lulls you into a sense of comfort, and then they pull the rug out from you, from under you. And, and that's been an interesting experience because on one hand, there's moments where I'm just like, oh, wow, I just, I paid new game price, and this is just more 2D Mario. I Guys, I've played so much 2D Mario. So obviously, I know it. I, I I know it like the back of my hand. I know it like the back of my game and watch Super Mario Bros. But then something will happen, and it'll be unexpected. Last night, playing it for the first time, I laughed. I cheered. I was shocked at moments. And then there was times where I was just like, oh, it's just Mario. So I think although someone like me who has been so just deeply involved with these games. I've played... I think I have probably played every 2D Mario nearly to completion. There's a small... There's a couple I haven't got there yet. So it's... I'm jaded. But for someone who has not been as deep in the trenches as I have all this time, there's nothing but value here. It's good stuff. Congrats to Nintendo. Uh, I, I saw on YouTube Gerard the Completionist is calling it Switch Game of the Year. I I... I can't say that yet. Obviously, he's probably completed it. I have not. I'm like six stages in. So, I, 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 permission to revisit. But I would probably still lean towards Tears of the Kingdom. And I could see why Tears of the Kingdom might not get that from someone like Gerard. Because the map is based on Breath of the Wild. But this is based on every other 2D platformer ever, you know? This does not have the sense of new off the bat. That's something like Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze does. Which, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the show before, uh, but is by far and away my favorite 2D platformer. And quite possibly, in my opinion, the best. It is such a good game. But this, Mario Wonder, like I said, that, that sense of security and surprise may, if, if there's more of that to come, and I, I expect there is, this could take the, to take the top spot. So it's definitely worth checking out. Um, if, if you're turned off by new game price, I feel you uh, as a PC gamer as well. Uh, we all know the Steam sales have uh, spoiled us. So if you got to wait, wait. It'll be worth it at 40 or 30 or I mean, it's a Nintendo game. How much cheaper than that are you ever going to find it? You know, maybe at a garage sale in 30 years. But you're not going to find it for less than 30 bucks. But if you do, shit, jump on it. Jump on it. It's good stuff, guys. you got to check it out. Uh, a few things, uh, you know, I've heard complaints about the, the talking flowers. They're fine. They're fine. And in fact, honestly, they're kind of helpful. I don't, I don't mind them at all. They're cute. Um, uh, speaking of voices, uh, the new Mario voice, uh, now that we've moved on from Charles Martinet. If you didn't know, Charles Martinet has retired from his role as voice of Mario, Luigi, uh, Wario, and Waluigi, uh, possibly among others. Um, and, and the new voice is great. It is not Chris Pratt or Chris Pratt-esque at all. It is very much in the Martinet uh, uh, camp of of, of sound. The, um, you know, I'm not even going to try and do it. I don't think my voice can hit that high note right now. Don't ever smoke, kids. But the voice is good. The new voice is good. Um, Mario, Luigi, uh, those are the only ones I really heard. Toad, of course. Toad was my first play, of course, because I'm a Toad guy. That's my guy. Captain Toad, all the way, forever, baby. Ride or die. Hunt for treasure or die. Mario Wonder, guys. Check it out. It's good. The Flower Kingdom is in good hands. Gotham may not be. Uh, moving over to comics for a little bit. Uh, I'm three three chapters into the Gotham War, and uh, the crossover between um, Chip Zdarsky's Batman and Teeny Howard's Catwoman is bold. Uh, it's based on a good premise. Uh, the idea that Catwoman is taking all of the violent thugs and henchmen and turning them all into... Um, Cat burglars, effectively, uh, to cut down on violent crime, to cut down on their risk of, you know, themselves getting killed, either at the hands of their paymasters, Joker, Two-Face, Scarecrow, etc., or, of course, uh, being beaten and bloodied at the hands of the Bat family. Um, Batman, of course, uh, in his war against all crime, does not see the gray area here, and is only, uh, they are still criminals, you are solely, uh, simply empowering them in a new direction. And it's got to stop. It's an interesting dynamic uh, on the heels of Tom King's attempt to marry the bat and the cat. uh, To obviously now have them at odds. And it is, um, you know, also putting a wedge between Batman and the rest of the family. Because they see the gray area here. Hell, half of them lived in that gray area, looking at you, Jason Todd. As the story has developed, we have seen Batman leaning heavily not only into his black or white definition of his mission, but also into the alternate personality-slash-mental illness of the Xur and R Batman. Uh, Quick, uh, surely partially incorrect recap. Uh, Xur and R is an attempt to... Am I saying it right? Who cares? It's an attempt to take a 60s Silver Era idea... Uh, kind of back when Batman would have these wacky variations, uh, different colored suits, uh, weird new powers, new elements to his personality, and repackage it as a psychological safe, safekeeping safe uh, safety tactic that Batman came up with in the early days of his career to prevent himself from ever losing his mind. It's kind of like a. Um, Reset in default mode, you know, or, or reset in safe mode that your 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 PC might have done, might still do. Uh, Zeronar is um has been used to great effect by Grant Morrison, who really kind of helped architect that whole new kind of understanding of what it was, and has been dabbled quite a bit uh, since then. Most recently with Chip Zdarsky and his run, uh, he now kind of has Batman leaning into that uh, as part of his kind of justification or. Uh, encouragement uh, of, of what he's doing in his war against Catwoman and her plan uh, for altered um, altering the methods of criminality in Gotham. And it is leading to some extreme measures. Uh, in episode three, we saw him take action against another member of the Bat family. I am stepping carefully around. Spoilers, you guys. We saw him take uh, an extreme measure against another member of the Bat family that could have lasting, but probably won't, implications to come. Um, and I don't love it. I don't love it. And, and, and here's the thing, guys, you know, it's never fun to see a character that you like, that you follow, that you think is, that you have a high opinion of doing things that you don't like. Um, but that's good storytelling is finding a way to do those things, to challenge the reader and to logically and sensibly do it. I don't know that we're there. And if I've seen any of the critique of the issues to come, because, you know, I'm a few issues behind, then Zdarsky may not have pulled it off. There's also some upcoming revelations about one of the villains that's going to pop up in the story and some kind of planted things from the Jeff Johns era on Justice League. I'm going to get into some spoiler territory here for some past Batman, Justice League, uh, Jeff Johns, and uh, Joker stuff. So if you you don't want any of those spoilers, well, I'm, I'm sorry to lose you only a few minutes into the first new episode in a while. But, go, oh, I get it. All right, spoiler warning is still on. We're going to get into it now. Jeff John's Three Jokers idea is apparently coming back hard uh, towards the end of Gotham War. And it really raises the question, are we as readers okay with the Three Jokers idea? Three Jokers idea being that over the course of the Joker's career, uh, the Clown Prince of Crime actually influenced not one but two other individuals to essentially become Jokers. And we have been dealing with not one but multiple Jokers over the course of comics. Letting that shit marinate, because I don't know if we all like that, but allegedly it's gonna be canon. So, and you know, canon is a, a an interesting thing. There is a take it or leave it element. Um, you know, and you know, you don't have to read everything. You know, I let's jump over to the X Men for an example. I came onto X Men during the Whedon era of Cyclops and Emma just starting out together uh, in the wake of Gene's death uh, in the new X-Men run that Morrison was on. And, and say what you will about Whedon, he is a bad guy. Uh, he's treated people poorly, and you don't have to respect him. But that was a fun and exciting time back then on X-Men. And obviously, uh, a lot has changed with the X-Men since then, and and Cyclops and Emma, not currently a thing. He may be back with Gene, I don't even know, I haven't been reading. But I don't currently read it. Because that was not, that what it is right now is not the kind of thing I'm looking for. Maybe one day I'll go back, maybe one day it'll be for me, but for me now it's not. And that's okay. There's a big world of comics, there's a lot to read. And for the first time in a while, I'm wondering if maybe Batman's not going to be for me. Because I don't know if I like what's happening in this story with other members of the Bat family. And I don't know if I like what I'm hearing about the villains, about the Joker concept. So I may have to jump off. And that's okay, guys. We feel this need to constantly have to be a devoted fan to something, even when that thing isn't always for us. Not everything is for you. And not everything in a franchise you love is for you. People rail against elements of the MCU on screen. There were people who adored the Infinity Saga and don't like She-Hulk. Guess what, dude? She-Hulk ain't for you. That's okay. Uh, There's a new She-Hulk book out, Uh, I want to say written by Rainbow Roll, who I've read some of her runaways. It's great stuff. But I picked up an issue with She-Hulk. I flipped through it. I was like, no, I'm not on right now. It doesn't have to be for me. It should be bigger than me. Because if my little perspective is the only thing that we're entertaining, why are we doing that to other people? My influences, my experiences, my education impacting everyone, that is awful. That is hell. I mean, it's bad enough that it has to be what I get, that I only get the education I got in uh, New York, New Jersey, Florida, and Oklahoma. I mean, glad it was those four diverse places and not just one state, but good God, America much? More is always good. I mean, unless you're, you know, talking about like overpopulation or trash or a virus or something. But you know what I'm saying. More variety, more content, more available for more people to enjoy of a thing that is good and creative. Good. That's good. That's good. That's good. So Zadarsky, Howard, keep keep it up. Keep it up with Gotham War. You know I'm on through the end for sure. Zadarsky, I adored his Daredevil run so much that I'm sure I'm going to read his Batman through to the end. Um... And we'll just see where it goes. But it's been an interesting crossover. Hey, it's got me talking. So if nothing else, it's got that. It's not like Siege that no one gave a shit about. Or I didn't give a shit about. I don't know. Maybe I did about Siege. I don't remember. What was that? Was that was that Dark Avengers time? I don't know. Marvel History Guys, send me an email. I don't have an email for this show. You know, speaking of stuff that wasn't for me, uh, they're bringing back the Ultimate Universe. And I'm having that same question. I started reading Marvel Comics through the Ultimate Universe. Um... Uh, A couple other things, too, around then. But uh, the the book, The Ultimates, was this new take on heroes. It kind of had a cynical, sarcastic tone that, you know, as a 20-something, I was feeling that. And it was very approachable because it was a lot of number ones, introductions, origin stories. It didn't have the weight of decades of continuity that 616 had for me at the time. I didn't even know what 616 was, the main Marvel universe, you know. But it had that sense of, oh, it's too much. The Ultimate line gave me a starting point. And I loved it for a while. Ultimate Fantastic Four, Ultimate X-Men, Ultimate Spider-Man. I really enjoyed these books. Eventually, I moved to main Marvel. And obviously, I stayed. And I fell off of Ultimates. Um, there were certain things I wish I'd stayed on. Because like Reed Richards' maker character is fascinating. And I think is absolutely worth uh, having read the story through. And uh, of course, as the villain of Ultimate Invasion, I would have probably appreciated it even more. But Ultimate Invasion has left me feeling flat. A couple of reasons. One... That gap in my knowledge of not always following the ultimate books. Two, not for me. I'm not interested in a new ultimate universe. I'm happy in the main continuity right now. So this launching point for a new universe is simply for other people. It's for the me of 20 years ago. You know, hell, I think next year is my 20th anniversary reading comics. And it's time, it's time for... I, I can't expect them to all to be catering to me. They get my money. They're going to get my money. Get someone new's money. And somewhere is a kid who needs a new Spider-Man. So Now, of course, considering the ultimate Spider-Man has been revealed to be a married, older Peter Parker, they could be shooting themselves in the foot on that one, but I'm going to keep that opinion to myself. Well, we'll see how that plays out. I don't want to judge a thing before it launches, although I'm sure I have many times before. It's hard not to be... Excited about a book like Ultimate Invasion, especially with Brian Hitch on art, uh, especially with Jonathan Hickman writing it. This These are quality, quality talents, but it's just leaving me flat. And another reason probably because I think I had a numbered list. So go, three, C, wherever I was. Um, it's been more about building, setting the um, cornerstones of a new universe than it has been about uh, 616 fighting the maker. And that's the book I thought we were getting. It did the classic bait and switch that a lot of comic series do. I'm looking at you, Tom Taylor's Dark Ages, although that was a decent story. I just realized he did Dark Knights of Steel and Dark Ages. My boy, playing both sides against each other. You are, you're a smart man, Tom Taylor. And that's probably why I like his Titans. Look at that segue. Uh, I'm still on Titans. Uh, The late the book's been good. You guys, I've really it's only like four issues in. Uh, I don't know if it got derailed by the um, uh, what was that scary crossover? They had nightmare visions. I don't remember. Uh, See clearly left an impact, but um, it feels like it's been delayed. I don't know why, but it's been good. Um, You've got some really good stuff with individual characters Uh, Some of the things happening with Tempest, some of the things happening with Beast Boy, some of the things happening with Raven have been great. Um, You have uh, a a cliffhanger from issue one that has kind of still been peppering throughout the story, but it's not the main focus, which I think is a really interesting way to do this story. And uh, a credit to Tom Taylor for not just spoon-feeding us one story and then moving on to the next. Um, It's been very layered, which I have really, really appreciated. Uh, The art has been fine. It's not been my favorite by any stretch. Uh, I think it's Nicolo Scott on it. Um, they're always great, but it's just not just not my personal favorite. And uh, the the stuff that's kind of happening the 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 nicks that are 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 moving the, their machinations are, are happening uh, in this issue. We're we're scary and we're truly threatening. Uh, I do have a sense of of threat for the team, so that's been cool. So if you're not checking out Titans, um, it's it's really it's only four issues, maybe five now. Like I say, I'm always a little behind. Um, but early enough to jump in, so I highly recommend it. Go hit up your local shop and jump on that. Um, Tom Taylor is one of the ones that I've been celebrating uh, for a while, ever since I started this podcast. Uh, I came to know him semi-recently and have very much uh, loved his work, Uh, so definitely check him out if you you haven't. Uh, Another one uh, that I am slowly getting caught up on, I think I'm probably an issue behind on this too, is The New Birds of Prey uh, from Kelly Thompson. Uh, Another writer who um, has been around for a a bit, but I'm I'm just recently learning of and really, really love their work. They're super cool, too. Um, The Birds of Prey book has been so good, you guys. Uh, Issue 1 was a great introduction to the characters. Uh, This team that Black Canaries put together includes um, uh, Harley Quinn, uh, Cassandra Cain Batgirl, Big Barda, um, and, oh God, what is her name? I can't. Give me an intro page because I forgot her name. Oh, man. Zealot. Yeah, Zealot. Uh, who's, I think, from Wildstorm? Wildcats? I don't know, guys. I'm so sorry I'm letting her down. Fans, just send me a nasty letter at that email that doesn't exist. But Thompson's doing a great job with this team. It's a fun team. This new uh, issue had some some kind of universe jumping and a lot of big fights. Uh it was very fun. There was some kind of convenient things that happened throughout to kind of get the team all on one page where they needed to be. but I'm having too much fun to nitpick it's It's a good, exciting high energy book with characters that each sound different uh, and um unique. uh there are relatable qualities. there's fun new dynamics like I'm in two issues, the big barda Cassandra Kane pairing there there I will bet you money. There is slash fiction out there now, so. You know, if that's your thing, go go search to the Googles with you. Uh, Birds of Prey has been great. Um, you guys know I'm a Thompson fan. Uh, I got a shout for the call. Uh, her independent book, uh, I read issue two of that. It's very good as well. It was more of getting to know our main cast. Uh, now that we kind of had the introduction of the them encountering the threat, uh, this kind of otherworldly place, I guess. Uh, and then we've got a little bit more of that, and we got a little bit more of uh, seeing what's there and seeing and and kind of getting a sense of our characters and their fearlessness. It, it, it still has very strong Paper Girls vibes to me, which is a good thing. Um, but, you know, hopefully it'll stay a little more coherent because, as much as I'm a classic Brian K. Vaughn fan till the very end, um, Paper Girls got weird as hell. So, uh, hopefully. Uh, Thompson's got a little tighter reins on this one. Uh, oh, gorgeous art, too, by is Matteo D something? Um, I'm going to see if I can pull it up real quick because it's, it's, they, 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 they deserve a mention. Um, uh, and uh, the art on that is very good. So, The Call. Nope, that is not what that word is. Kelly Thompson. All right. And it's, uh, it's Mattia. Mattia de. Oh, man. Mattia de Illis. I am so sorry, uh, a talented artist person that i'm butchering your name uh check it out though the call i think it's on image yeah yeah it's on image go check it out it's good stuff issue three just came out i've got it but i haven't read it yet i told you i'm behind i'm sorry um also kelly's got an awesome presence on substack uh highly recommend let's talk about one or two more books and let's wrap it up actually we're just gonna do two more uh real (laughs) quick uh, let's talk about dr strange i'm uh eight issues in now really enjoying it uh, we're really getting to see the scope of what the story that Jed McKay is hoping to tell here is, and it has to deal with a portion of Steven's past that has kind of been cordoned from his main life and is now coming back to haunt him in a very powerful way. Um, it is a true threat. It is very scary. Much like Titans, I am, uh, definitely have a sense of unsure uh, of how things are going to turn out and whether or not our characters are truly safe. Uh, Some of the actions by Clea Strange in the last two issues were terrifying and then securing or comforting. Um, As a character, I've only recently come to really, really appreciate and love. Uh, I was very scared for a minute, uh, but I'm glad to see that McKay is going in the direction he is. Uh, Relieved, frankly. So Jed, if you're listening to this podcast that you've never heard of, thank you for not butchering the character I just recently fell in love with. It's a good book, Dr. Strange. I highly recommend it. Also, fairly early. Eight issues in, uh, maybe nine now. Uh, so you, you you should be able... I bet the first volume's out, so you could probably grab that and then jump on the singles. Um, you know, I'm always a big believer in number ones. I know a lot of people uh, gripe about number ones, but I think it's great because it's always fun to have a start-in-a-story experience. And... It may say, you know, this is the first part of the new story, uh, but the book says issue number 243, and that will always be off-putting. Which is why I didn't mind when Daredevil rebooted for the, like, 400th time uh, with Saladin Ahmed in the writing duties. I don't know Ahmed very well. Uh, This is, I think, the first book or one of the first books of his I've ever read. Uh, Really enjoying that as well. New status quo for Matt. Uh, You've got uh, Someone Else in the Hood, uh, still a leftover from the Zdarsky run, which I like. This feels... This is a fun number one, uh, in a slightly different way, where it's it's it. There's brand new, and you're like, okay, this is kind of a new look. Matt Murdock is a priest. That's interesting. He's not a lawyer. He is not necessarily Daredevil, and then Daredevil is someone else. So it does make you want to go. Oh, there's more to learn here about the past, and it can maybe I need to go check out what came before. But at the same time, you can still read this, and you're getting a unique narrative. The pieces are very clearly defined. There's not a, a not a big WTF. There's a little, like, why are we here? But you at least know, okay, we are here. And I like that. It's being done very well done. And, and coming off what was an excellent Zdarsky run, in my opinion, this is really well done. So... And this is issue two. I think maybe three is out. So if anything I've mentioned uh, today to jump on, uh, the birds of prey, the daredevil, are really the ones to get. Uh, Check those out. They are so new. They're real good. And you should be able to find them at your local shop. Um, This is going to be the end of the episode uh, today, guys. A little housekeeping note. So I have not... I've uh, done a new episode of OK Geek in a Minute, and I'm hoping to get on a better schedule. It has just been a long and, and complicated summer uh, for myself and maybe many of you. And if you're going through stuff, I wish you the best. I know you're going to make it, uh, as I did and as I am. And and with uh, challenges uh, being overcome, it's time to get back to recording, so I hope to be a little better about this. And I am going to try and get uh, a little bit of a shift in focus. Uh, I felt like I was a little kind of hyperactive or, or uh, just... I didn't love the energy I was putting out, so I'm going to try and temper that a little bit. It's going to be a little bit more of a reflective podcast. It's going to be a little bit more on just kind of sharing what I personally like and don't like about a story to to hopefully give you some guides if it's something that you check out. The way I see reviews is if you feel like you have a similarity with your reviewer, there's someone you'll turn to. So for the folks that have similar reading and interest habits to my own, uh, I hope you'll be on this journey with me for a little bit. Uh, we'll do another episode as soon as we can. Till then, uh, I don't know. Keep geeking. I don't. I don't have a tagline. We'll see you soon.